Okay, so this morning we're in the second uh, sermon in our The Blank I Carry series, and today's topic is insecurity. Now, I'm sure that we are all ultra-confident people here in the church this morning, and we never have any issues with what people think of us or thinking that what we do is good enough, but just in case, let's talk about it a little bit this morning. First, let's go to our theme verse for this series, and it comes from Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. And it says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. What Jesus is saying here is that um, he asks you to do certain things and he will show you the way that your life is supposed to go. He will guide you through this life, but he's not going to make it as hard as you think it is. That sounds weird, doesn't it? Because it, if you look at all the rules that religion has always taught us about what it means to be a Christian, then it looks like a bunch of no's and a bunch of regulations and a bunch of things we have to do. Jesus is saying, no, that's not really how it is. You just got to follow my word and you got to love me. That's all I'm asking. Okay? Insecurity. What is it? It's a feeling of being less than or unworthy. Right? That you didn't quite measure up, that you didn't quite match the expectation. Put a different way, it's that you're not uh, pretty enough, not strong enough, not smart enough, not fast enough, not skinny enough. Our society does a real good job of telling us what we're supposed to be. Uh, it shows us some very unrealistic people in movies and television magazines and says this is the ideal person and if you don't measure up then you are bad or wrong, or less than. Um, that if your complexion is not perfect, then you need these 35 different drugs to make your face look better because you can't walk around with a bad face. People won't want to look at you, right? And so it preys on our sense of insecurity. As a matter of fact, there's a whole industry. It's called advertising and marketing um, that preys on the insecurities of people. Oh, somebody's going to have something better than you, so you need to go out and get it too. Um, your clothes aren't going to ma- match the latest fashions, so you need to come out and spend more money. Um, that whole industry is driven by the insecurity of people in order to make money. But it's not just society who does that. There are people who we work with who do that to us, uh, people in our own families who make us feel less than. Um, I can think of a particular family that I've been familiar with um, where each member of the family makes it a point to make the rest of the family feel like they are less than perfect. Um, so it's nobody that comes here, so don't start trying to figure out who I'm talking about or letting names pop into your mind because I'm sure I saw that look of recognition go across. But see, even you guys know you guys know people who are like that who are always better than everybody else, or at least everybody else is beneath them. 
And so they, in a way, they are preying on some insecurity as well. Um, but even though, even though we look at it and say that, um, insecurity is a feeling of being less than, it truly is a lie. Insecurity is the enemy whispering in your ear a lie from the pit of hell that says you will never be good enough. Okay? Now, on our own, in our own flesh, even God says that we are imperfect. Okay? And He said, and I love you enough to fix that. As a matter of fact, the way God sees us, once we know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, once He is in charge of our life, God sees us through the lens of the original creation. And if we look back to Genesis 1.26, He says, let us create man in our image. And so when the enemy comes to whisper in your ear and tell you that you aren't good enough, the very first thing you can do to battle that is to say, I am made in the image of God, and God is perfection itself. Okay. God goes on to um, explain to us in Psalm 139, verses 13, how He knit us together so he, we were perfectly formed. Even not just from the very beginning, which Adam and Eve were both perfectly formed, but each and every one of us was uniquely formed and perfectly formed for the plan that God has designed for your life. And in 14, uh, 139, 14, it says you were fearfully and wonderfully made. So he took consideration into how to make you for the plan he had for your life. Okay. It wasn't haphazard. It wasn't random chance. Um, I have a family member who has the middle toes on their foot webbed together. I actually have two family members that are like that. My toes are not. We were made different, but we were each made perfectly for the plan God has designed for our life. Some of us have round heads. Some of us have square heads. I have, it almost feels like points right here, believe it or not. I know that's hard to believe because I look so perfect, but, um, But each and every little detail was designed by God to perfectly execute the plan He has for your life. And so when you begin to allow that self-doubt, when you begin to allow that insecurity, that enemy whispering in your ear that you're not good enough, then what you're saying is the plan of God on my life is a lie. When you begin to believe what the enemy would have you believe instead of what God has already told you, See, in Jeremiah 1, chapter, chapter 1, verse 5, God says, I knew you before you were formed. We were specifically in the mind of God from the beginning of time. Because see, God doesn't measure time the way we do. He doesn't see it from the start to the end. He sees it all at once. It's linear for us because this is how we travel through this life. But God is supernatural. And so he knows all the waypoints and all the destinations that we will go to. And he's seen it all before he ever made us. And he chose to make us anyway because he had that perfect plan in mind. And he knew that we would deviate from the plan. He knew that we would need rescuing. And so a 
little over 2,000 years ago, he made a way for us to be rescued. He sent his own son as a sacrifice so that we could be brought back into the created design that he wanted for our lives. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 calls us a peculiar people, a royal priesthood. I don't know about y'all, but there have been times in my life where I didn't feel like I was a prince. Now, there have been times in my life when, when I did feel like I was the king, um, but that was in myself, not in the plan that God had for my life. But Peter calls us a royal priesthood. See, when he was writing to the churches of Asia Minor, the Apostle Peter understood that they were struggling with the same things that we struggle with today. That is, I'm not good enough, I'm not strong enough, I'm not fast enough, I'm not smart enough. And he wanted them to understand that through the eyes of God, we are royalty. And not because we own a kingdom, and not because anything of ourselves, but because we have been adopted into the king's family. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says that in Christ we are new creations and the old man has passed away. And so all those things that used to hang us up and used to hold us back have been taken from us The problem comes when we grab them back. When we allow them back into our lives, then they begin to reassert that former control that they had. The Bible says that if you drive out a spirit into a desert place, that if he comes back, he comes back with seven more. And so often, um, when we forget our place in the family of God, those things that used to weigh us down come back stronger. Um, because that is the test. To see if we have truly given them over to Jesus. That if we truly have allowed Him to step into that place, to, to stand in the gap between us and what we used to be. If we're willing to surrender our will over to His the Bible gives us hope if we are an insecure person that instead of insecurity, we should understand. My children carry my name. They're not Jason, but they are Shacklefords. Okay? And so because they carry my name, they represent me in public, in private, where they go, the way they act is a reflection on the things that I and my wife had taught them. They didn't have a choice in carrying my name. That's just the way it works. But because they are part of my family, they do carry my name. And that works the same way if you're a Christian. Ephesians 1.5 says that God decided before creation to adopt us as sons and daughters. Yes, us Individually, he had Jeremy in mind. He had Crystal in mind. He had James in mind. He had Kira in mind. Before creation ever started, he said, these will be mine. Now, some folks will read that and think that there were only a certain number of people that God decided to adopt into his family. 
But I like to read that and to think that he decided to adopt all of us, but we had to accept that from him. Okay? That doesn't put a limit on God. That verse doesn't say that only a certain number of people belong to him. First John chapter 3, verse 1 says, See what great love the Father has given unto us, that we should be called sons and daughters of God. Now, some of us don't understand that love, either because we don't have sons and daughters, or because as sons and daughters, we did not receive that type of love from our earthly parents. Okay? Um. And sometimes that makes it hard to believe in this, to understand what exactly God is saying through um, John when it says that we can see the great love that we are called His children. But just like my children didn't have a choice into which the family they were born, I didn't pick them either. Now I would have, or at least I'd like to think I would have. Um, in my in my humanness, I love my children. I love. I would. There's nothing I wouldn't do for my kids, and I hope they know that. Um, except say yes to some things. No, anyway. <laughs> but God did choose us. He chose each and every one of us. He chose to make us with a specific purpose and plan in mind. And the, when the enemy comes around and whispers those things into our ear, then we begin to rob that plan. We begin to rob God of the things that he has given us and set out for us if we believe it. Yet again, in, in the book of John, chapter 1, verse 12, it says, To those who receive him, him being Jesus, he gave the right to be called the children of God. Over and over and over again, the Word tells us very specifically that we are we belong to God. He is our Father. Now, there are only two fathers in the room right now, but I think we can all understand um, that the love of God goes beyond anything we could ever imagine. And just as we as fathers want to guide our children and, and keep our children safe and show them all the possibilities of life. God wants that for us as well within the safety of His commandments. So just as these children are a reflection of me and what my wife and I teach in our home, then we too as children of the Heavenly Father should reflect the teachings of Christ. Right? That's not real hard to understand. There are going to be a lot of times in life when we're not going to measure up. Okay? I fail every day at being a father, at being a husband, at being a person. Don't laugh. But that doesn't mean I have to stay there. 
Because Jesus has already won the victory, I don't have to live in the failures of my life. And the Bible says that I became a new creation the minute I accepted Him as Lord of my life. And so all those past things can't hold me down if I don't let them. Yes, I will be reminded of them. Yes, at from time to time, some of those things will flare back up in my life. But they don't get to own me because I belong to Jesus. Okay? And in that, in that promise right there, there is all the security you will ever need. Because even if you never measure up to an earthly standard, if you have accepted Jesus, then you have passed the heavenly standard. Because you have been given the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You have been given the right to be called a son and daughter of God. You have been adopted into the royal family of the King of kings and Lord of lords. And nobody can take that away from you. Not because they don't like the way you dress, the way you talk, the way you write. Nothing. See, it's okay for other people to think less of us. All right. When Peter said we're a peculiar people, that was part of a statement that says this world has rejected Christ. And because it has rejected Him, if we are His followers, then they will reject us. We see it every day. Somewhere there's a lawsuit filed that says, you can't say God. Our society is rejecting God on a national basis. There are pockets of resistance. And there are, there are millions of Christians in this country. Don't get me wrong. It doesn't mean just wholesale we're the only 18 in the world that actually believe in Jesus. But America has turned away from its belief in God and substituted a false belief in self. And so they teach and they push that your self-esteem is based on how you feel. That your worth comes from what you can do and not from who you belong to. In God's eyes, we are more valuable than gold. In God's eyes, we were more valuable than life itself because God the man, Jesus Christ, came to earth and surrendered his own life for us. He didn't do it for himself. He didn't do it for all the honor and glory that it was going to bring to him. He did it because he knew we needed it. He knew there would be days when we would say, I'm just not good enough. And so we would need him to be good enough for us. And so... Even though those struggles will come, we can stand against the onslaught of the enemy. We talked several series back about the whole armor of God. And you will often hear me say that you must read your Bible, that you must have an active prayer life, that you have to pursue this relationship. And this is why. Because who would go into a battle unarmed? Anybody want to face an enemy that's uh, heavily armed, 
with just your bare hands? Not me. I want every weapon available to me. Okay? And the only way that you will have those weapons is, is if you have put on the whole armor of God. Okay? If you are living according to Jesus' teachings, if you are studying His Word, if you have an active prayer life, then when those insecurities sneak up, you have an instant answer for them. Instead of going, oh, well, maybe I'm not good enough, you can say, Jesus is good enough for me. We have already won this battle. I don't have to engage in it again. I don't have to be good enough to meet your standard because Jesus is my standard. He is what I hope for. He is what I define myself by. It's not by what my job is. It's not by what kind of house I have. It's not by who I love. My life is defined by who I am in Jesus Christ. Okay? This one's a little hard for me um, because as you guys have seen over the months that you have known me, I'm not very insecure about much. So it's really hard for me to understand it. I'm very outgoing, outspoken, opinionated. Some have called obnoxious. Um, so this one's hard for me. Um, but I don't feel insecure about it because I know I can speak with the authority of the Word of God that says all of these things can pass away through Jesus Christ Himself. When He said it is finished on the cross, it didn't just mean this is my last breath on earth. It means all your battles, all those things that you will face in your life, I win. And if you read the book in the back, it tells us he wins. And we win with him. <laughs> For some reason, it just came to mind the, the youth sports at the last church we were at. Um, they had a motto. It said, win with Jesus. And it really is that simple. It really is that simple that every battle you face in life can be won with Jesus. Now, we'll talk about several other things, um, but I thought insecurity was a good place to start because insecurity is actually the root of a lot of the other things that we carry, from the pride that I talked about the first week to the anger that we will talk about next week. All of these things have its start in battling to feel good enough, to be heard, to be seen, to be known. That's an innate need as humans for us. We have a need to be known. And that comes from the fact that God has designed our hearts to long for Him. And where we mess up, and where we have a hard time is that we try to put anything and everything else in that place. From people to things to ideas. We'll worship those so much faster than we will God. Because even though our hearts long for Him, if we're not willing to admit that, then we'll chase after every longing that does come along. We'll try to find that satisfaction somewhere. And that comes from a place of insecurity, that need 
to be known, to be seen, to have value. All right. I always tell you guys that I'll talk till I'm told to shut up, so I'm done. I hope whoever wrote insecurity down, I hope that helped you. I hope you can see where security can come from and should come from. And it's not in people. It's not in things. It's not even, you know, we, we find security in our home because we have a place to stay. We find security in our relationships because we have people close to us. Some of us find security in the money we make to the point that we make money God. And we'll get to that one in this, in this series as well. And I know it sounds like the church answer, and I heard one of the children in the back row whisper it, but Jesus is always the answer to every question. 